and welcome to the Happy Me Project podcast, the space where self-development doesn't have to be fancy and we take the bullshit out of positive mindset. My name is Holly Matthews. I'm a former TV actress. I'm a self-development coach and I am the founder of the Happy Me Project, which is a no-nonsense life coaching online membership in-person workshop and now a book which you can buy in all of the places you can buy books. In today's episode we are talking about a huge topic and that topic is grief. So get comfy, pull up a chair, grab a cup of tea and let's have a chat. For those of you that are brand new to this podcast you may not know that my own personal grief is the death of my husband Ross in 2017. My husband Ross died of brain cancer and he had brain cancer for three and a half years. So my experience of grief is big loss. It's untimely loss. Of course, it's not the only loss that I've had in my lifetime. I've had other people around me die, but that has been my biggest grief because he was my husband, because he was young, because I have children with him because that kind of grief is, it's raw, it's raw grief. And so I think I speak from a space of some knowledge. However, what I've learned about grief, and we will talk about this in a moment, is that your grief is very, very, very personal to you. Just like all aspects of our, our human existence, but grief is so personal and yet we have so many similar things within our space of grief as well. And that's why I think it's important for us to talk about it and talk about how we can walk ourselves through it. So let me be clear at the very outset that I, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't believe there is a heaven. And I don't care if you do, that's okay. It really doesn't matter to me what we believe about all of that stuff and how that gets us through it. I think, again, that it's just such a personal experience. And I believe whatever helps you get through life, whatever helps you, whatever feels right, whatever fits your model of the world is the right experience. And having had to have these big conversations with my two children who are currently 10 and nine, they were four and six when my husband died. They, we've had to have these conversations about, you know, what do you, do you believe about? that anything happens next you know and and my children although they know that I don't I've always cultivated a space for them where they can believe whatever the hell they like and I was always really careful when Ross died and even before he died in fact I even sent out a whole video to anybody that was in contact with my kids to warn them not to impose their views on my children let them decide themselves and I was always conscious of that from the beginning that they have to have their own journey, that whatever feels good to them. When I was a child and, and my granddad died, so my granddad died pretty young. My granddad was in his early 50s when he died. Um, he actually died of the human form of mad cow disease. And I can never say it correctly, but it's CJ, CJD. Christ, yeah, I'm not even going to try it. But anyway, so it, it was an untimely death as well. Although in my naive youth as a child, I felt like this was, um, he was an old man, of course. Now as a grown adult, I'm like, he was not an old man. He was, he was young. 
to have died in such a tragic way but that was my first experience of big loss and that I loved my granddad Matt the cat as he was known in Newcastle Matt the cat was a big character as well and had an impact in his time on this earth to me certainly as a child and it really upset me and at that time I was given the, the model of the world that there was a heaven and my granddad had gone to heaven and at that time it felt great that made sense that at the end of this life, you end up somewhere where you with all your loved ones. And that felt good and that was fine. And even though my dad is definitely an atheist, my mum says she believes in God, um, a God. Uh, um, at the time, that's what they gave me. And, and it was it was fine. It felt good to me and, and it served its purpose. So it my point being that we can change our model of the world. We can change our... It just doesn't matter. When it comes to what gets you through tough grief like this do whatever feels good and you can take you can make up anything you want that feels good because honestly and this is what I say to my kids none of us really know even if you absolutely think you know oh you really believe it and it feels like it's so true to you unless we've died and come back which some of you might believe you have so you know I stand corrected on that one but the you know none of us really know so it just doesn't matter and I will not judge your way of getting through it ever so that's from the the very beginning so for me grief loss death has an end there is an end to this life for me and my husband Ross also believed the same so it felt yeah, there was a lot of acceptance for me, especially in those initial stages of grief of trying to really accept the fact that Ross wasn't going to be in my life. And that has been and is hard. Even as much as this week, I had I, something came up and I thought about Ross. And I mean, I think about Ross every day, but I, I thought about Ross in a certain thing. And I just thought, oh man, like I really miss him. I miss his presence, I miss his energy, I miss his fun, I miss that. And when when your people, whoever they are, whether that's partners, friends, whatever, children, when your people aren't there, that's really painful. It's a painful experience for us to go through. And I don't want you to minimize your pain or think somebody else is doing grief better than you. There's no right way to do this. And one thing I have learned since Ross dying, because lots of you have contacted me and shared your own pain, which I'm really grateful of, that you've, you feel, I feel very privileged that people feel able to talk to me about this kind of stuff. I've learned that we are so similar and yet so very, very unique, which is a weird paradox. But that there are certain truths when it comes to grief that seem to come up for all of us. And then there are such individual ways that that plays out for us. You know, I've heard from people who their partners died and they've laid their claws out on their bed every night for months and months, like as if they were there, like as if it was them, that they would cuddle into their T-shirt every night that with their aftershave on it or their perfume, whatever. Like they've, you know, there's, there's so many different ways that grief shows itself to us. And we don't always get to talk about it. And certainly in the Western world, we're not necessarily great at talking about grief or sharing our grief or just being honest about what it looks like. Because it doesn't always look like what it looks like in a film. In films, when we watch films, especially, you know, like a Disney character, somebody dies, there is the black veil, there is a, a funeral where everyone wears black and people cry 
and then they move forward in their lives, right? It, it feels, it's all very neat, right? When in the reality, grief is all of the stuff and it's not even the stuff, when you do a Google search of grief, you're gonna see the stages of grief, right? That's what I saw. When I was in the hospice and I knew Ross was gonna die and I was sat there and I'm like, right, you better prepare yourself for this shit. This is gonna be hard. What are you gonna do? And I'm, you know, I'm an action person. So I like to do, not everyone's like that. And so I'm looking at Google, I'm thinking, so what's it gonna feel like to grieve? I'm like trying to prepare to grieve. What's it gonna feel like? I mean, I was already in grief. You can have what's called anticipatory grief when you know somebody's gonna die, uh, especially if it's brain, because that person will likely go before they go. So you almost have like this preliminary grief. So I was there and I'm looking and it's stages of grief and I forget them all, you know, anger, denial, um, bargaining, which was a new one I'd learned where you're like, they will, I, hang on a minute here. You start like trying to negotiate that they've not died or whatever. And, and there's all these stages and it, again, it feels like it fits in this neat box and you might initially be tricked into going, right, well, so I just go through the stages of the grief and then I come out the other side, I get my badge, uh, my certificate, I have completed grief and I will move forward in my life. And sadly, it doesn't work like that. I say sadly, maybe that's, it doesn't, maybe it's not sad, but it doesn't work like that. You may go through all of those stages. You may add in your own stage. You might cha-cha slide back and forward through these stages. It's messy. It's messy and it is prolonged. And I don't say that to be, to make you feel hopeless because some of you will be listening to this right in the early stages of grief. It's prolonged, but not always painful. And that can be from the very beginning. So let go of judgment of yourself. For some of you, you will be in such a greater level of acceptance that you will be accepting right near the beginning. And, and grief then might come up at another point or at certain points in the day or certain just things that remind you of that person where it will come up. But grief can look like laughter. Grief can look like sadness. It can look like anger. It can look like lots of different things. And when Ross died, I really tried to let go of judgment of that because I didn't know. I've never, I'd never done it at that level before. I'd also never done it in my grief. Ross's death was all over the newspapers. There was a lot of people that knew about it. It was a lot of stuff to deal with in real time. And also having children that were going through it felt so important that I helped them through it, which is a huge pressure because equally, I've never done it before. And I was doing it at the same time. And we just muddled our way through. But one of the things I really learned was that you have to let go of that judgment of yourself and you have to allow yourself to be. And when something comes up that maybe you haven't seen in a Disney film and it, you think, well, what's that? Good? That's not grief. This is something else. Reminding yourself that it doesn't always look how you think it's going to look. And perhaps you've got friends who were going through grief and maybe you're thinking, oh, maybe they're not doing grief right. Like they look like they're all right. But we cannot judge, guys. And I would have been the same, right? Before Ross died, I might have judged. I might have went, well, have they just moved on then? Or are they okay? Like, that's weird. Maybe I would have because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a clue, right? And that's why I've learned from it all. But grief is a process, and the one thing that I would say is that we have to find our way to walk forward. I don't want you guys to stay stuck. That doesn't mean that you can't cry and sob and be angry and all of the normal things that help you walk forward. But that you always have in mind that, you know, when your person has died, I'd imagine that person would have quite largely, quite liked to be alive. And I feel like we honor their death by living. 
You know, if I ever felt and have, I have felt at times like giving up, of course, some human being, there's been times when it's been extremely hard in this process of trying to walk myself forward. And in those moments, I remember that my person, Ross, wanted to be here. He wanted to be here and and I honor his life by living fully. And even if your person didn't want to be here and that's why they're not here, you can show them that life can, well, you not show them literally, but you can live your life in such a full way that it can remind yourself or it can show other people that life is worth living. It's just about trying to find a mini step forward. And I want that for you. Okay, I want you to feel that there is hope in the future. And if you are listening to this because somehow you stumbled across me in an article or a YouTube video or something and you're like, this woman's gone through big stuff like I have and how the hell is she doing it? I'm going to tell you it's messy. It's day to day. Most of the time, genuinely, most of the time I'm happy. Most of the time I feel like any of the, the grieving stuff that I'm going through is appropriate. And I probably did feel that from the start. And I think that's largely down to acceptance, that I really did accept that this was happening. I didn't, I didn't fight the inevitable because I knew it would make it harder. Whether that's right or wrong, who knows? It's just my experience. But talking has helped. Talking openly with you guys, with, with, you know, with my children, with my family and friends, talking openly has been a, a real help. And with my children, I have, we have talked from the beginning. We have really tried to have an open conversation about grief and, and we laugh about it. We laugh about grief. We laugh in the face of it. We joke about the fact that every bloody film that you will watch will have a dead parent in it. And that might seem morbid and, and a dark humor, but humor is important when it comes to grief. It helps you through it. And remind yourself that grief will sneak up on you in the weirdest of places and a friend of mine who um, is also going through grief shared recently that she was locked out of a password online that had been her partner's, um, on her partner's laptop. And she had been locked out of that laptop and just the frustration of that, the sadness of that, the reality of that. And I had a similar experience and I shared it with her that I've got a suitcase that my husband Ross, you know, researched beyond words, spent a lot of money on, um, some fancy pants suitcase um, that I would never have spent the time researching on, but that's the kind of thing that his autistic brain loved to do. And he, so he was doing that. And he was actually, I wasn't saying that flippantly, by the way, just in case anyone thinks I was saying, saying that as a derogatory thing, he was actually diagnosed with Asperger's. Um, but he would love that kind of research. So he's doing, he'd do all that. And he bought this suitcase and, and I'd have just got the cheap one, if I'm being honest, because <laughs> that's my, my brain. Uh, but anyway, he got this suitcase and it has all of the fancy pants lock on it. And it had a, a number, what do you call them? A number lock where you have to put in a different number. And I couldn't remember the number and he had told me the number. And that brought with it grief and guilt and just frustration and anger and all of those things and it's been sat in my loft for ages and I've just been avoiding it because it made me feel sad that he had chosen that case he spent a lot of time researching it and here's me couldn't even remember the lock in it and it brought up grief for me that silly lock and I got it out on my last holiday and learned how to pick a lock thank you YouTube and we're now in and I found it but it's those moments of just they're not there and they should be they're the moments that are going to get you. It's not always the big moments, the birthdays, the anniversaries. Sometimes you're prepared for those. You're kind of ahead of yourself. 
It's those moments when you stumble on going to a restaurant that the last time you were there, you were with your person. Or you find something with their handwriting written on it. Or you find something that just brings you back, a smell, a scent, a, a song, something that takes you straight back to a time and a memory. And those are the hard moments. But I'm going to tell you this now, guys, those of you that are on this journey, and it will be all of us at some point, by the way, there is hope, there is happiness, there is new loves, there is new, you know, new nice memories. There are good moments coming. There always is. That's the, that's the paradoxical side of life that for every bad there is a good for every good there is a bad and it goes in cycles and I promise you that if you are in this heavy space of grief right now good stuff is coming it doesn't negate the fact that you will revisit grief and you will cry for your people but that's also the you know that's the price we pay for love guys with love comes grief from grief is because of love it's it's that and I always stand by the fact that even though I've experienced so much pain from Ross dying, I do it again. I do it again. I do it again for love, for the connection, for everything that we have for my children. I do it again. And so I'm not scared. And I don't want you to be scared. Just keep walking forward and do whatever weird shit that turns up for you to help you through. Whatever you need to do. Don't judge yourself. Just go for it. Have fun. Try something new do a, a marathon for a charity, move house, go to a different country to live, you know, fall in love, um, have happiness, have laughter, dance, do all of the things, eat good food, do all of the things that make you feel good because you're here and you're alive. You are alive, my friend, and you have to live. And if you do need more support, then definitely reach out, get the professionals involved, go and speak to a therapist, talk it out with somebody that's not involved do whatever you need to do. And if I can help in any way, you know the places that you can gain help off me. Although my work isn't specifically in grief, I obviously talk about it. It comes up in my work and the work that I do can absolutely support that. So we do have a space, the Happy Me Project um, membership, which is there for you. It's a safe community. There are a whole heap of people in there that have gone through big grief, all kinds of grief, the hardest of grief. And they're in there and they're there as as your community and your support. And although, as I say, it's not a constant that we talk about grief, we talk about how do we support our minds to walk through, whether it's grief or anxiety or just being an adult human, which is bloody hard. And um, that space is there for you. And I also have a book coming out, which I don't even know if I've mentioned on this podcast, apart from the beginning bit. The book is it's there, guys. You can go and search The Happy Me Project and it comes out on the 9th of June, uh, 2022. And yeah, it's there. You can go and pre-order it now. Go and pre-order it. I'm so excited for you guys to get it. I'm so excited. And I obviously share my experience in there, share parts of my experience. It's 60 chapters. Each chapter is just four pages long. And at the end of each chapter, there is actionable stuff for you to try and for you to do. And we, we just talk about all of the stuff in there. All of the stuff when it comes to life. I am just, I'm sharing it all. I'm probably sharing too much, but hey ho, we move forward, you can read it, you can let me know, all of the links to that will be popped below for you, and let me know what your story is, I want to hear about you, I want to hear about, you know, whatever grief you're walking yourself through, and I'm sending you so much love, it isn't always easy, but just honor who you are, and what feels good to you in this moment, and keep walking forward, I'll speak to you all very soon, peace.